0: This is episode 102 with Matty Elliott. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. <music> Maddie Elliott is a former professional rugby league player former NRL coach, and currently he's still commentating for the NRL. All of this at the highest level and had a successful career in each area. However, as with most elite athletes and coaches I have in this podcast, we barely talk about the sport. He's also the Managing Director of Health and Wellbeing at Zenergy Group which is a holistic provider of safety, health, and well-being services across the Asia-Pacific. Maddie is a very aligned spiritual being with a perspective of the world that I admire. He resonates on an energetic level that I get, that I love, and a level that I often resonate at. But he's a wise and much more experienced man in the human behavior space well beyond me, which is why I'm proud to have him share his value on this podcast. And I kick it off deep straight away about what it means to be spiritual and how this has translated across his coaching career in a domineering kind of sport. I know Maddie through his life-changing programs called Change Room, which we discuss a lot in the second half of this episode. I'm proud and grateful to be one of the mentors in this program, and I'm lucky enough to be coached by my great mentor, Nam Baldwin, to teach his powerful breathing training techniques in these programs. And I tell you what, you know already if you're a long-time listener to this podcast how important breathing is and why I teach it and why I practice and prioritize it in my life and in my coaching. And when we teach it in the change room programs, It's literally life-saving as it helps people overcome debilitating pain by calming the nervous system, helps them handle emotions much better, helps them heal and rejuvenate through their major injuries and niggles much more easier. And it can help people give them that little bit of hope and shift their mindsets from those dark places. In this episode, we discuss... Emotional capacities and how it compares to physical capacities, aggression versus intensity, how the change room program is changing and impacting people's lives for the better. We talk about former NRL star Anthony Minicello's massive spinal conditions and his amazing recovery from it through changing his eating habits and respecting his gut health more. And this is part of Maddie's programs. And right near the end, Maddie also opens up about an autoimmune disease that had him buckled that he also cured through changing his eating habits and investing into his gut health. We talk a lot about spirituality and the scientific evidence behind why things like meditating and kindness and caring are part of cracking the code of life. Now, Maddie could have dived really deep into the spiritual space. He's mentored by some of the greatest gurus in the world, such as Dr. Bruce Lipton and Deepak Chopra. If you haven't heard of these guys, I highly recommend you start learning and exploring their work. The biology of belief was written by Dr. Bruce Lipton, and it gives us a profound understanding of human energy. And Deepak Chopra, has an abundance of awesome meditations out there and a lot that he's done with Oprah Winfrey, actually, and they do a free 21-day series every quarter. So keep your eye out for that. It's a great way to get into the meditation space. That's, that's one of the first ones that I started doing, actually, a few years ago. But any material and podcasts you can find with these two, plus Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I reference a lot on Your Life of Impact, their work's of brilliance these guys if i ever get any of these guys on here onto this podcast i'll be buzzing i already buzz (laughs) before we hear from maddie i want to take a minute to read another itunes review from one of you legendary listeners this one is titled inspirational stuff it says it's been a massive year for me personally and throughout it all robbo and his guests have served as a thought-provoking inspiration on a weekly basis They continually challenge me, provoke me, and force me to really nut down to the core of what is driving me in my life. Absolutely loved The Mountains and Marathons, episode 94. Can't recommend this whole podcast highly enough. That's by Feltman29 from Australia. Boom! (laughs) Credit to you, Feltman29, for taking on the challenge, thinking differently, and then taking action in your life. Well done and a massive thank you for taking the time to write this review. I'm super grateful for that. A couple of reminders. We have the private Facebook group, which is a small community where we can share insights, support, learnings, anything that helps us be the best version of ourselves. I jump in occasionally and do videos and answer questions from the members and try to add value for you all. We're also doing extra giveaways in the group in the new year, so if you haven't joined yet, jump onto Facebook groups and search for Your Life of Impact podcast community. I'm also in the process of building out our new Gut Health and Gut-Brain Connection online program with functional medicine practitioner Carl Hewan. So keep an ear out for that because it'll be a great opportunity for you guys to not just learn more about this area for yourselves, but you'll also have the opportunity to ask questions directly to Carl and I on how and why specific changes can be made into your life or for your loved ones. Actually, when you hear Maddie talk about how much his eating habits changed his life and helped beat his autoimmune disease on this episode and how that is linked to gut health, it's going to make you want to inquire a little bit more about this. And we're only having limited spaces for this program, so if you are interested and don't want to miss your place, shoot me a quick email and I can let you know how you can claim your early bird place before it even goes up on the website. You can email me at brett at lifeintentional.com.au. Feel free to hit me up with any questions at all about the program too. So either email me or just send me a private message on social media. And we're giving away a free spot into this online program to someone in that private Facebook group. So if you're not a member yet, I highly recommend you join the group to be in the draw for that. You should still claim your early spot even if you're going in for the free spot though because you might just miss out because as I said we're only having limiting numbers. Okay now let's hear from the legend himself Maddie Elliott. Maddie, you've been involved in rugby league your whole life you were a professional top level player a professional top level coach and you still commentate for the sport but you're also a very spiritual human being. What does it actually mean to you to be spiritual?
1: Jeez, Robbo, we we have jumped straight in the deep end, mate.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, it's funny. It's a really good question, actually, and it's it's funny how your definition of what you're asking me there changes all the time. I, I guess my definition with it at the moment, I used to be quite enamored with what they call spirituality, but now I just believe it's being real and understanding that you know, we've all got a place on the planet, and we've all we've all got an equal place on the planet, and it's really important that we take advantage of this experience. So, I guess that would be the easiest way of explaining it. But, you know, we can get a little deeper on the energy side of things and 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 discuss you know, how we actually connect with the universe and things like that, but it's. It's all science now, which is really good. It's not woo-woo. When I first started exploring this stuff, it was very much in the woo woos area, but now it's fortunately, the, you know, we've got cutting-edge people like Deepak Chopra and Bruce Lipton and, and Joe Dispenza and so many people that are, are making us understand this in the language that we all like these days, and that tends to be science.
0: You said there that when you started exploring it, it was woo woo. When when was it that you started exploring this way of being? Because I imagine it's not very common language in the sport of rugby league.
1: Yeah, it's a, again a long story to that one. But to make it make it shorten it, in about two thousand and three, uh, I. Um, I got a whole lot of Anthony Robbins tapes, you know, make $7 million in 27 seconds sort of things, um, and was sent to me by Demtel, God rest their soul, wherever they are these days. But uh, anyway, they kept sending me these things called power talks, and they used to drive me crazy. I must have made about 50 phone calls telling them to stop sending me CDs, please. But there were interviews on it, and I heard Deepak Chopra, interviewed by Anthony Robbins, did a fantastic job, And that really, you know, for someone who was a complete atheist, that really sparked my curiosity. So I just started consuming Deepak Chopra books left, right and centre. And he's obviously got a a very scientific medical background. And he just, for me, explained things in a way that made sense. So that's where it started. And then I actually, in 2007, through a guy called Leon Naxon, who owns... Hay House Australia was the general manager of Hay House Australia. Um, yeah, I met him and got to meet Deepak and then got access to people at a very high level and started having those curious conversations. And they made complete sense. I was very cynical, very skeptical, but I just uh, saw so much stuff and heard so much stuff that made complete sense that it it moved me in that direction.
0: What was it that? Those people that you mentioned, the, you know Dr. Bruce Lipton and Deepak Chopra, they are gurus in their field. What was it that you learnt from spending time with them that, that made it all made sense? Like how was it actually resonating with you from spending time with people like that? Smart people
1: make difficult stuff simple, Robbo, and that's what they do really well. Everything that they're sharing isn't new. Everything they're sharing is based on, you know, knowledge that was shared by sages thousands of years ago. None of us knew, but now what what it's got, it's got a new language to it. As I said, called science. So they actually explain. You know, it you know, used to be called the quantum theory. It's now called quantum physics because it's they, they're able to prove how energy energy works, and they're able to prove how we op- how we operate as a system, as a human inside that the universe and the planet that we live on so they've been able to explain it to me in a way where you could go quite deep about it and go off on tangents and I've certainly been guilty of that um, in in the past my experience with this but you need to do that I guess but they just made things very simple and easy to understand and that helped me a lot
0: and when you say prove, how in what ways is it proved? Because I know you and I had a discussion recently about how Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, he can measure energy and what's going on with people's brain waves, and they measure hormone levels and things like that. Is that what you're talking around about around the proof of this? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know, the, the things like nutritional science, which made sense to us because. You now we see things as being solid matter. It's, it's not actually the truth. You know, it's just how we perceive things. And it's it's exactly what you're saying. There is is that they actually use science to show this. And Jada his stuff's amazing. You know, he can actually, you know, using technology developed by NASA, able to measure the the energy in the room and then me- measure what you, what brainwaves you're utilizing. We've known for a long time that you know there's alpha, beta, and and, and brain brainwaves, but they're actually able to measure that live and be able to see how, how they can change the state of the room by changing people's emotional state, changing their mentality and, and actually learning how to link with other people. We actually already know this stuff. We knew it as kids. Because as a kid, we, you don't go around and look at someone and say, he's got a cool bike and he's really rich, I want to hang out with him. People either felt good to hang out with, so you hung out with them, or they felt bad to hang out with, so you stayed away from them. Now, we, compli- we get deprogrammed out of that, and we really complicate stuff as we get older.
0: And have you experienced that stuff that with Joe and or anyone else around that, that measurement aspect? That you're obviously like most of us who practice spirituality or understand emotional intelligence, which we're going to talk a lot about in this episode, and you what you just said then around the feel of it but have you actually been through the experience of the measurement and seen how your brainwaves change?
1: Not so much my brainwaves so I've used a technology called Versus and it actually does measure between alpha, beta and and theta brainwaves so I have done that while you know doing meditation and mindfulness practices as well as playing their games Mm -hmm. that they do just to basically stop you thinking so yes I've done that and I've done some of the um, the different testing on your alkaline levels, but I haven't done the full testing with Joe. I, I get to do that in April, which I'm really looking forward to.
0: Awesome. Now, before we dive more into that, how you, know, you mentioned there before you've spent time with Dr. Bruce Lipton and uh, even Deepak Chopra. Just explain to the listeners who might not have heard of these people what how they measure up in this industry and and your time with Bruce because I believe he spent a bit of time in New Zealand right
1: that's right Bruce lives six months of the year in New Zealand um and I met him through Leon Naxon I'd actually seen him before I met met even Leon so um I, I found his stuff very fascinating he's a he's a biologist and he was involved in like some of the first stem cell research um the Genome Project, you know, we're, we're actually measuring and, and tracking the, with the genome, you know, a, a highly respected scientist. And, uh, yeah, he had an epiphany over a microscope. His, his book, The Biology of Belief, is, for me, really stunning. But there's a lot of science in it, but there's also a lot of stuff that, for me, once you, you read something, you go, well, yeah, that's right, I've actually experienced that myself. And if you're human and you read his stuff, you will you will have experienced it. Um, I met Deepak. He was probably my first, as I say, the first big break into this area. And um, yeah, he's obvious. He's a a little deeper in his explanation of stuff than than Bruce in many ways. But I, I just you know, I'm so grateful to read Deepak, and I'm again a, a huge fan of him. I read so much of his stuff, and it's. Again, it's all science-based, but he connects the science world and the spiritual world, really what they call the spiritual world, it's actually just the world, um, very, very well. And as I said, this stuff's been shared for, for centuries, thousands of years, actually.
0: When, when you say that, that it's called the spiritual world, but it's actually just the world, just elaborate on that a little bit. Do you mean it's just an understanding of what it means to be human?
1: Yeah, and it's it's about your belief systems. So even when I was an atheist, you now I believe that your parents they met, they appropriated, they you get born, you live, you die, and what you, you know, what you leave behind is your legacy of the way that you live your life. And you know, it was not that flawed a, a belief. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it was miles away, but I guess, but that's still a belief system, isn't it? So mm. you know, whether you want to call it a belief system, you, you know, you you know, your spirituality, but you know, I believe that that was a wrong um, explanation of how the planet works. And I, I also now understand energy and the deeper levels of energy. Deepak explained it to me in such a great way one time. We were sitting there and there was he was talking to me about it. And I asked a thousand questions and there was a TV up on the wall, Robo, He said, look, if I go up there and I smash that TV, OK, I've broken the TV but does that mean the signal is gone? I went, what do you mean? He said, well, the signal of the channel that you're watching, is that, have I killed that too? He said, no. I said, no, it'll still be there. And he said, well, that's basically what, we're the TV, our human body is a TV, and our spirit is a signal. And that doesn't, just because, you know, the TV's gone doesn't mean the signal's gone. And that, again, made sense to me has such a practical way of explaining the deepest things and then obviously the conversation got very very deep after that and and you know told me about how the human spirit actually does work but we know about energy like if someone's been staring at you from the other side of the room eventually you'll turn around and look at that person because you can feel them directing mm. their energy way we've all experienced this You know, I experienced it a lot in footy change rooms where you've walked into a change room, no one's saying a word, there's a group of young people there ready to go and compete and you go, whoa, there's something going on in here. You know, you can actually feel it. It's not like you you perceive it or you think about it, you feel the energy in the room. So we've all been there. You know, it could be a rock concert, it could be whatever it is, or going into a room when you go, oh, there's something bad going down here we've all if i want to meet the person that hasn't had that experience
0: yeah well that's right and i think once you're more in tune with that and you really feel people's energy meeting them for the first time or meeting friends of friends and spending time with those kind of people you you can really sense other people's energy and feel the shift in your own
1: that's a hundred percent right so like you and i both have worked a lot with athletes so we can look at an athlete, one, we can tell if they're fit or not fit by just looking at them. Mm. We can tell whether they're strong or weak by just looking at them on the way they move or how, you know, we can tell so much by just looking at them. Why? Why, why can we tell that, Robbo?
0: Because we know uh, that kind of stuff really well. It's, it's our practice. It's our, what we've spent a lot of time around. We've looked at it a lot.
1: Mm. So when you look at something a lot no matter what it is no matter what profession you're in whether it be a you know you're a tyler whether you'd be a doctor whatever it is if you look at something a lot you're able to identify things before you actually you know have the actual proof of it all this requires is just looking at it a lot more so i look well you know the industry i work in now we look at people that are having challenges and i can look at someone and i can basically sense very quickly, not because I'm woo-woo, you know, and it's not because I'm picking up their spiritual energy. I look at people that are challenged a lot so I can tell how much they're being challenged. It's not that freaky.
0: <laughs> Going back to the sport analogy or the sport life, actually, how much of this came through in your coaching when you were coaching at an elite level, or was it something that sort of came out more once you finished coaching and On that, did your coaching philosophy change over time as you experienced more of this deeper understanding of yourself and human behavior?
1: Yeah, look, this is such an interesting uh, question to answer. The truth is, is that like anything new that you know is unbelievable, you can get a little enamored with it, Robbo. And that can be a distraction. I have no doubt that it became a little bit of a distraction to me. Now, and in the process of that I sort of had a foot in both camps. I had a foot in the the rah, rah come on, yeah, yeah, camp and the, then the and the light then the lighter side of life. And you, you can't live life that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got to jump into one camp or the other. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise you're ineffective. So it, it certainly was a distraction to me for a bit and it certainly was you know, did dilute my focus a little bit. 2010 is a really interesting year when I was at Penrith. I got the players to meditate, um, a, a meditation practice called Keely Meditation. We came second in the regular season that year. I still have players contact me. Now, that's in 2010, no one was really doing it. Everyone's doing mindfulness and meditation now because that science word is now, there's no, you can't argue that one, it, it improves accuracy, it improves performance, it decreases stress, it, it allows people you know, a higher level of, of focus. So there's a science behind it now, so it's been embraced. But back then, it, but it was really effective, And uh, as I say at the time, did it in the right way. I, I didn't always get that bit right, both at a personal level and also at a, a professional level. I, I put my hand up there but when you're trying to be cutting edge and where you're trying to be at, at the forefront, you do stuff up sometimes, Robbo. That's part of the risk you take in, in trying to take on new approach. So there was some resistance to it, not so much from the players, but from an administrative level for sure.
0: It's interesting you put it like that, actually, because I've, I wasn't obviously in coaching career for as long as you and didn't have that experience as much, but I feel what I'm picking up what you're putting down there because I had a similar sort of experience and it's interesting when you see athletes individually that you know could benefit from understanding this but then at the same time for them, you kind of feel like, but you don't want it to calm, especially in a sport like rugby league where they need to have that, like you said, a bit more of that rah-rah and a bit more of that input. You don't want it to sort of switch them the other way. They need to be able to understand when to implement the, the spiritual aspects which you call just the world anyway and their aggressive or um, empowering nature for the sport that they play
1: yeah and again I've learnt this afterwards so I'm going to answer that question in two ways I also learnt that like you talked about aggression and the the need for it in sport that's actually wrong aggression is an emotion that loads us it makes us gives us we lose all perspective on things and it it doesn't improve decision-making. Intensity, however, is really useful. It allows us to focus. It allows us to execute. So it's a matter of just getting, understanding the whole range of emotions that we do have. Sometimes aggression is required when we're in a life-or-death situation. There's not many sports that we're in a life-or-death situation and you're having to make hundreds, thousands of decisions during the process. So there's, there's no doubt you know, that we need to actually be able to, to delineate between the, what what is the right emotion to tap into and what is the right state to be in when we're competing. There's no doubt, and there shouldn't be any problem with that at
0: all. Yeah, well said, actually, and... I'm glad you picked up on that because that's not a word that I would normally use when still coaching the athletes now around mental strength training and working with a lot of young surfers and some of them say when you start to do the emotional intelligence work and some of them say, but I surf better when I'm angry and I say, well, I'll challenge you on that. Maybe anger is stimulated and you think right, I'm going to get revenge on that person that just took that wave or whatever it is. But if you stay in that angry state, you're going to be stiff, you're going to be rigid, you're not going to be able to just focus and be find that flow that you need to be in to be uh, to performing at your best. So turning that, the aggression stimulates that energy and like you said, that intensity and that increased heart rate and then knowing how to switch that into just that high energy.
1: Yeah, and see, so many of us have been programmed differently. So... got to understand when you're talking to people like that Robbie you're challenging their whole belief system Mm. and just because we know it or we believe it doesn't make it right so I I love to use the analogy of people who discover the right way of eating and they become you know and it's they want to share it with everyone
0: Mm. you know for
1: all (laughs) the right reasons but it's like oh my god can you just shut up about food for 12 seconds (laughs) you know so and I know that I went through that a little bit when I started to you know, discover the this you know, actually connect connection with with energy and things like that and the right way to connect and the most efficient way is I knew I knew that it would change performance. I knew that it could help people experience the planet in a better way. I had absolutely zero doubt about that. But I became a punish about it. Because I was so enthusiastic of sharing it with other people. And that's, you get, it's like they call enlightenment. All enlightenment is, is is just a journey along a path. And your journey and my journey are, we might be heading along the same path. It doesn't make our pathway better than anyone else's. It makes, it might make it a little bit different. So it's just got to be really conscious about that and making sure that, you know, I learned from people that just, they didn't push it on me deep pack or Bruce Lipton, or Brian Weiss, all these amazing people, they didn't push anything on me. They just asked really good questions and explained things really simply and went, yeah, do with that with what you like. You know what I mean? They didn't sit there and preach to you. And I, you know, I, I found myself a little bit guilty in the preaching side of things because I just really wanted to help people, and I wasn't.
0: You weren't helping by preaching? No. Mm.
1: No. You can't help anyone who doesn't a-
0: ask you for help. Why is it that people don't uh, see the need do you feel and this is i say on uh you know to people don't wait for the tsunami in your life like don't wait for the big major tragedy or adversity or uh break up or whatever it might be before you start looking for answers but i've sort of steered away from that a little bit because i realise you know what <laughs> often people need that that uh challenge that tsunami in their life before they're going to actually listen with the intent to understand when you talk about things like this that can really benefit them
1: Yeah. You know, Robert, again, I come back to the fact that I believe in this and it's really made a huge difference to my life. But doesn't, you know, everyone used to believe the earth was flat at one stage. Doesn't make it wrong or right. It just makes, it's a belief system that works for me. I had a really good mate of mine and he was having some challenges with his wife and, you know, um, and she really believed that he needed to become more spiritual and he sort of... Rang me and started asking me about it because he knew that I was you know, down that pathway, and I said, "Mate, your behaviours are totally aligned to the belief system I have. You don't need to change your belief system because your behaviours line up, mate. You, you're so don't. There's no wrong or right way about this. You know what I mean? There's don't get too enamoured with, well." This person's, the science behind the way that this person explains it's different to the other. One, does it affect your behaviours in a way that you're operating from a belief system that you align with? And two, are those behaviours, do they make you a functional human, a good person to be around? And if the answers to that are yes, you don't need to change. Hmm. You know, you you certainly need to learn. You're always, the, the biggest, you know, you know, you've seen what we do in the well-being side of things one of the, for me one of the biggest impacts on well-being is learning continual learning even learning about stuff that you don't believe in if you can learn your well-being will certainly be elevated
0: I love that absolutely and Let's talk about that. Although we've been diving in deeply already, before we carry on and learn a little bit more about your intriguing perspective on the world, I just want to say, Maddie Elliott, welcome to your life of impact.
1: Robo, it was either talk to you or go to the Boxing Day sales, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh- you know, I, you know, I knew both would be pretty hectic, but I I really thought I'd challenge myself rather than, you know, squeezing through people. I really wanted to be challenged today. So here I am with you, mate, just after the man in the big red suit showed up.
0: Yes, it is. It's Boxing Day morning that we're having this chat. So Merry Christmas. And yeah, well, I was going to say I'm grateful for you joining me, but I'll just take the credit and say uh, it's it's my pleasure to prevent you from going to the Boxing Day sales. <laughs>
1: Well, mate, I'm expecting you to be half-priced today.
0: <laughs> I can do that for you, mate. Now, we've been connected through a mutual friend and a close mentor of mine, Nam Baldwin, and I'm extremely grateful to be working with both of you now in the Change Room Program, and I've had great experience with my couple of times there. Can you tell us a bit more around what the Change Room Program is?
1: Oh, I wish this again, I wish there was such easy answers to these questions you ask. because it's, I'd love to say that it's just, you know, it's a personal training program but no one, <laughs> everyone think that we're doing physical stuff. Look, we work with people that are suffering um, physical and emotional and mental injury, psych injury as well, Um most of it in the workers' compensation area. We work with uh, ex-serving police officers and people that are on been on workers' comp for extended period. We hold these events in sporting stadiums and it, we have mentors that are of a high level either in the sporting world or in the executive world or, or authors. Um, and it, we really, what we do is give people practical approach to change their life. You know, we hold it in change rooms, we hold it in sports stadiums and it's metaphoric. We want to help them change their life for the better. We don't really spend too much time looking at what's wrong with them we give them practical tools on what they can do across behavioural areas to make their life better. And um, in our first year of operation, we've had a, a real lot of success, so we've got so so many people to be grateful for. But it's a it's a concept that I know will work, and we've had evidence of that that it does work. And I'm just really hoping to spread it wider outside the the insurance. Uh, realm we've been in the corporate realm and some stuff in the government area but I'd like it to become a preventative program for kids as well in schools I've drawn up a school's curriculum um, it just takes a little bit of while for that sort of stuff to be absorbed
0: yeah absolutely and you mentioned there before around the mentors and I mentioned Nam so Nam comes in and teaches the breath enhancement training and how breathing can directly help people through their experience with pain and trauma and their emotional agility, and he also teaches around sleep. But you've got people like NRL star Anthony Minicello teaching around the eating side of things. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I hear the guests talk about that a lot and how much that improves their way of thinking and and what well, you mentioned there before challenges their belief systems.
1: Anthony's got such a great story, Rob. I would. Because he basically missed four years of footy and um, he healed himself. You know, for someone who had the most unbelievable access to the highest level doctors in Australia, what he was getting from those people wasn't really helping him recover. And, uh, you know, and he went out on a search and found a way. And I'm really. Recover pleased. from
0: what, sorry? What was his injury?
1: He had a spinal injury, so he had basically every disc in his back was black. It was they were dehydrated. And he'd had quite a few ruptured discs to the point where he was told that you know that it was probably best decision for him to retire from footy. Um, he changed the way he ate and um, you know had a massive that had a massive impact on his ability to return to the playing field. Captain his club to a grand final victory and play over 300 games of footy after missing fundamentally four years of football. Um, and the real the important thing with Anthony's story is how much, you know, if I ask you the question, you know, the, the amount of complexity that exists around food and nutrition and diet these days, it's pretty puzzling. Um, Anthony brings simplicity to it because he talks about eating, talks about you know, the source of your food, what to eat, how to prepare it, how often to eat, and and the impacts that that can have on your the way that you function as a human. You know, we don't look at weight loss, but we've helped a lot of people certainly master that side of their life. But we talk about the impacts that food has on healing. We talk about the impacts of when not eating has on healing. And and also the energy that you have and the way that you can live your life that's one of seven behaviors that we deal with and you, know, you spoke about nam and his his impacts on people's sleep in particular has been absolutely stunning
0: and like nam says that you know sleep is the the glue that holds it all together your health your well-being and your lifestyle and you, i know that people that are going through these challenges and uh, everything that is affected by their sort of overstimulated pain responses what's been amazing for me both times that i've been involved is when i speak to the participants afterwards or during the program and they open up about how beneficial the program the change room program is for them as it gives them hope again a lot of them say hope it gives them skills connections guidance and lots of hope
1: yeah look I think one of the things that we like as humans, and I think particularly as Australians, we like to be able to actually manage our own life. and Because that's, that's what independence is. So when you get a group of highly qualified people that have been through some adversity, they give you tools on actually how to, how to live a better life that you can implement on a daily basis. And across all the seven behaviours we have, we don't tell them to go away and take all these tools. We just say, look, find the best set of two or three and take them in and implement them into your life and we don't go away and come back and we'll help you if you want to keep doing things. So, you know, we've, different people resonate with different things in in the program. And so we've you know, been able to help people in the thinking area, in the emotional area, you know, in eating as we've talked about, breathing as well. So. The, um, the proof's in the pudding and really some of the feedback that we've had from people, well, the overwhelming feedback we've had from people and the changes they've been able to make in their life is, that was pretty humbling really.
0: How, how does that compare to the feeling of when you're high-performance coaching?
1: Uh, look, I, I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I said that I don't miss being in that environment. You know, it's certainly, I, I love what I do now. I, I absolutely love what I do now and I, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity. But if you, you know that, well, we have peak experiences in life and the peak experiences mean the ones that are at the very top. And at the moment, you know, being involved in, in rugby league at the highest level, both as a player and a coach, just from the the personal rewards and the, the daily, being around people that just want to improve their, The way that they are every single day is pretty stunning, mate. I miss being around young people every day who just want to get better. You know, who gets to do that seriously? So, um, but this is a this is certainly a a photo finish for second place.
0: (laughs) You mentioned there before around the behaviours, and you you teach around the thoughts, emotions, eating, breathing, sleeping, movement, all these key areas of life why do you believe that we as humans and as a society in large that why do you believe that we don't prioritize all these foundational elements of what it is to actually be a human being and you know these are the things that you guys are getting amazing results with through the change room program
1: Robert, rob i'm going to go into a sensitive area you know and please excuse a little bit of cynicism that may sneak in here One, we're not taught it. Mm-hmm. You know, from a very young age at school, we're, we're, you know, we're taught for me to remember things, not to learn. And I think there's a, a distinct difference between the two things. This is why I'm so passionate about having this as a, you know, a curriculum that can be developed as as our knowledge grows. Um, yeah, we're not, we're, we're taught, to believe stuff that isn't right now if if we take the eating thing because it's the easiest thing to look at and what we've been taught to eat and how we've been taught to eat scientifically it's been proven that it's not right breakfast isn't our most important meal of the day having a sugar-filled you know cereal for breakfast is not really good for us Mm. and the evidence is you just need to walk down the street. You need to go to a shopping centre if you don't believe me. You know, when I grew up, when we called someone fatty, they were chubby. They weren't fat. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't exist. There's a lot of you know, having someone eat three times a day as opposed to six to seven times a day, there's a whole lot more money in them eating more often, yeah? (laughs) And there's a whole lot more money in them eating Food that makes them hungry all the time. Mm. So we're not, you know, we but there's a. The science exists. We know what our cleanest form of fuel is. And you know, I I went to university and I learned about this at university. and What I taught was taught at university is incorrect. So I thought I knew. I was convinced I knew. I was wrong. So the, and that is an again that food analogy is cuts across everything that we're doing. You know, what Nam does is that. He teaches people to sleep long because when we sleep as you say it is the glue it's when the cleaners come in it's when we recover it's when our body gets the opportunity to go out there and sort things out um we're sleeping less so the cleaners have got less time to do things so and the cleaners that we've got they're not like the new cleaners we haven't given them new equipment to go in there and you know do it at a faster pace so there's consequences to that stuff, and it's not acute consequences. It's accumulative, and this is why we're getting all these autoimmune diseases that are that, that we're seeing become like I think it's three hundred or four hundred percent more prevalent in our communities. So there's uh, there's genuine stuff that need to be addressed, and the answers are there; they're just well hidden.
0: And all that is covered, like you said, by many other professionals that come in. You've got Uh, doctors you've got psychologists uh, you've got football players you've got people like Nam and everyone's coming from that same perspective of understanding it more around you know not necessarily what is uh, the beliefs that is in society like you said that is taught wrong but understanding it from that different perspective and you know with the doctors around the functional medicine perspective so it's all sort of coming from different professions but those same beliefs that you speak of.
1: Yeah, and all that's meaningless, Robo, unless it's common sense first. Mm. I keep—I always tell participants, you already know this stuff. Everything that we're going to share with you, you already know. Whether it, someone's told you or you know it intuitively, like we all know that breathing's helpful, right?
0: Mm. Keeps us and alive, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we also know that if we don't breathe properly, we can do it now. If we hyperventilate, you know, we know that there can be a consequence to that. But no one taught, teaches us how to breathe. Like, so the tools that we share are common sense. They're practical. People don't have to go away and read a book about it. They go, okay, you know what? I can actually use this in my life. The thing about it is, is that all the tools we provide are free. Mm. You know, if people decide to, like, how much does meditation cost you? Once you learn how to do it and you're not being exploited by some people that choose to exploit people in the meditation realm, it's free. You sit there and you don't think for five minutes. <laughs> and the impacts and the ramifications, who made that woo-woo robber? Who made sitting there with your eyes closed and not thinking for five minutes? Some. I don't wear caftans. I don't burn incense. You know, I, I don't understand how that got made woo-woo because, it like, medically, Um, behaviorally it has such a massive impact on people just I haven't worked that one out yet we need to find out who actually did do that
0: (laughs) it's funny when you say woo woo because I remember talking to you in February this year and or February March and I was heading out to Cobar later in the year to do to teach this kind of stuff where I'm from in western New South Wales to all the miners and the mining community which is you know my family my blood and you said i tell you what robo if you can de-woo-woo this stuff with the miners you can de-woo-woo it to anyone <laughs> yeah and and it was it's exactly that of uh, allowing them to understand like this isn't new stuff like you're saying before this is you're already breathing uh, you're already eating you're already thinking how can you think better all these kind of things that you guys teach as well so it's just bringing that foundation back to um you know sort of let's switch off the the idiot box and the news that's filling your head with all that other space and just create the space for what's really important
1: yeah and you know all those other stuff's great but you just we're just overindulging in it at the moment and it's really you know, my explanation to it that stuff is is that do you think the chinese are dumb do you think they're a dumb nation i mm-hmm. always ask people that like you know they've been able to integrate across communities all across the planet in such a highly functional way they've been meditating for 3000 years do you think they would do keep doing something if it wasn't helpful mm. you know what well, i don't get again i'm still puzzled as to who made this stuff out there i, I i am still scratch my head because I'd love to have a chat to him about it.
0: <laughs> well, if you find one person, I'll be very surprised. I reckon it is a team effort over a long period of time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. Well, as I say, there's, there's not a lot of money in people being well, Robbo.
0: Yeah, well, that goes back to that saying of it's, uh, it's not a healthcare system, it's a sick care system.
1: Yeah, and I really respect doctors. I really do, you know, and again, I've been someone who's, I went to, you know, got myself educated in a certain area and I was so passionate about it because I wanted to help people and I thought I was helping people in the right way. I just, unfortunately, what I was taught was inaccurate, had its limitations, and I stopped learning because I thought I knew it. And when you do that, you know, danger signs should be, you know, flying out everywhere.
0: Well, speaking of teaching and learning a big part of what you teach is around emotional intelligence and emotional capacities and I froth on this content because one I had major breakthroughs when I learned more about it and two I see and experience major breakthroughs with people with athletes and with clients when they improve in these areas what does emotional resilience or emotional agility mean to you in regards to emotional capacities
1: well, it starts with emotional capacities, Robo, and again, people have made this inaccessible. Like, how do you build physical capacities? It's really simple. To build physical capacities, you load the threshold and you recover. And after your recovery period, then you load the threshold again and you recover. And what happens is those thresholds go up if you're training you know, with a system that's really effective. How do you build mental capacities? Well, that's when I'm talking cognitive. When I say mental, you know, again, you do the same thing. You read a book, you learn something, and you get to capacity. You'll be a little bit overwhelmed. You'll feel it like you do in the physical realm. You know, when you're loading to capacity, it'll be tough. It'll be overwhelming. And you have a recovery from it. You go back and you start learning again. And you go, oh, actually, I, I, I get it now after having that recovery. Emotional capacities for me should be taught in the same way. You know, there's that you load the capacity in certain areas, it's going to be a little bit overwhelming, and then you recover. And then you, you work on the, the capacity. So, when we, we don't, as you as a physical trainer, you don't tell people you can't be unfit. You tell people that you need to be stronger, faster, and you need to have more endurance. You work on those three areas and you mix them up. And same mentally, you don't tell people don't be dumb. You teach them things, you teach them you know, how, how, how to increase their knowledge, how to focus and how to recall stuff. That's what you do. You teach them things. Emotionally, people are just told how not to feel. Don't be anxious, don't be depressed, don't be stressed. And, but how are you meant to feel? Mm. And how do you develop capacities in that area, in those areas? You know, so I work on three basic emotional capacities. And you can mix them all up, but gratitude being a past-based, emotional capacity, you're normally grateful for things that have happened to you. Happiness, whoo-hoo-hoo, which is what you experience now. And then optimism or belief, which is future-based. And you just basically get people to load to capacity and recover in those areas. So they can, you know, again, they're resources that you can draw on. So when you get really fit, Robbo, you don't, you know, I've seen you with your shirt off, mate. I actually haven't seen you with your shirt on. <laughs> to be honest with you, mate, I'm, we'll, we'll chat about that a bit later. You want but, but you know, you're a fit guy. You don't walk around lifting up things every time you walk down the street. You know, when you're walking down, you don't pick your messes up and do shoulder presses when you're walking down the beach together.
0: You know, not all it's, the time.
1: It's, but that <laughs> strength is a resource that you've got that you can call on. Mm. It's like knowledge. You don't walk around, doctors don't walk around and putting their finger on people's pulse every every person they come to because they want to check what their heart rate is or whatever it is. It's just a resource that they've got, just like a mechanic doesn't go past every car and fix every car. Emotions are a resource that we can call on so that I can call on being inspired if I want because I've worked on it. I can call on being happy if I want because I've worked on it. I can call on being grateful if I want because I've worked on it. It's not spooky. It's just how humans develop. So that's where resilience and agility come from, how you develop those capacities, just as they do mentally, just as they do physically.
0: Brilliant. And just to clarify there for everyone listening, I, uh, I've had my shirt on more than off with Maddie. I did send him a personal video the other day with my shirt off. <laughs> but at these, uh, at the change room procedures, I've definitely had my shirt on. <laughs>
1: yeah we'll we'll talk about that more robo but you know i had to have those little vomits that you have to swallow back down when you were doing it to me mate so <laughs> um so thanks for that reflux
0: <laughs> anytime i tell you what i've uh, i've given you that reflux and the day off shopping you've got you've got a few things to thank me for <laughs> yeah
1: no doubt
0: you must also benefit a lot personally from what the other energy mentors teach you you've obviously got great mentors like you've said with dr bruce lipton you've got leon from hay house australia you've spent time with amazing gurus but you must still learn things through these change room programs for example you were telling me the other day that you've removed your fillings in your teeth after the doctor was speaking about that and showed his research into the effects of the oral decay and brain health
1: oh it was quite amazing you know, i got my mercury fillings out and the doctor couldn't even th- – the dentist couldn't even throw them in the bin. They've got to dispose of them, you know, by EPA um, standards. And I had that in my
0: mouth. What do you mean by that? Some so they, they can't just put them in normal trash?
1: No. no they can't – this thing that was around in my mouth that the the dentist took out of my head, um, yeah, they, they, yeah, they can't just chuck them in the bin. They had – their faces were fully covered with masks and – yeah, pretty interesting stuff. So, you know, I, I have been so, so, so lucky to be able to tap into the people that I have. Dr. Ali Walker, she's amazing, um, you know, based some of the stuff that she does on Community Connection. and All our mentors, Robbo, you included, I learned from them. But you know who I learned from the most?
0: The participants.
1: Like the participants, just the people that come in and you see, like, the adversity that they're facing you know, whether it be you know psych injury or physical injury, and you know just some of the stuff that I've been able to extract from them, the learning of what actually works and what doesn't work, and how to make a difference in people's lives. You know, for me, that's where the, my biggest learning comes from. Is is definitely I'm intrigued by you know, the opportunity of learning from amazing people, but you know, just to being in the room full of our participants on a regular basis talking and interacting with those people, when you actually see the impacts that that adversity can have on how you think and how you feel, don't worry about the physical stuff, but the, the think and feel side of things and what that can actually do to you and then how quickly that can be solved by just people having you know, having a light shined on it rather than standing in the shadow. So it's... It, they. Yeah, I I could go on about that for hours, bud.
0: Absolutely. And I can see why, just going back to what you said about you write the programs now for schools and one thing that I often say on this podcast and I enjoy doing stuff with with the young ones because it is, you know, the earlier you can learn this sort of stuff, the more it infiltrates and the bigger ripple effect it obviously has and the less catch up and the less sort of fires you've got to put out later in life. And I had... Uh, an amazing mentor from sweden and gregor Schill on the podcast and he's a, a really high up mental training coach in sweden and i was asking him what he feels like about the education system and why it's not taught to kids and i said how do you feel that this this would resonate in in that age group and he said oh, to be honest brett i feel like if you could teach this to kids you could change the world yeah and that's profound.
1: Well, it, you know, it, is, it is profound. There's probably a couple of things with with kids. Is one is they don't have the same level of resistance as adults do, and we know that when we, you know we were learning at school is is that when a teacher taught you something, you believed it. Well, certainly most of us did. Mm. Um, so you want to make sure that what we're teaching them's the right stuff to teach them. That that's the first thing. The other one is is that. Once you have that knowledge, it's your decision on what you want to do with it. Now, I know knowledge is overrated. I know it's vastly overrated. It's behaviours ultimately that determine. You know, because people know not to smoke, right? You couldn't, you couldn't certainly suck down a bunger and think it's okay. Not if I've seen the side of a packet. So, mm. knowledge is overrated. There's a lot of really smart people that know a lot of stuff that don't use that knowledge. But if you've got that coming through at least you've got a decision to make at the moment people are making decisions that I don't even know they're the wrong decision
0: mm. and that's habits right yeah that develop
1: yeah and they're, they're things that we need to you know, we need to make sure our kids are getting into good habits so everyone will will go straight to the phones and we'll talk about what you know, kids looking at phones all the time and, yeah, you know what, it's not the most constructive use of time. It's got so many benefits to it, you know, the connection that it can bring, the information that you can access through it. But, you know, we're now we're starting to learn, you know, about what the impacts of you know, Wi-Fi and EMFs actually have on have on people.
0: Yeah, that that's really interesting, actually, hearing the jock talk about that at the last change room program and the the Wi-Fi and the EMF even through pregnancy and then early childhood development and the link to that and a lot of the neural dysfunctions and brain um, neurochemistry malalignment with with the young ones and a lot of things around the uh, autism and things like that that it can actually be triggered by Wi-Fi and the EMFs.
1: Yeah, and it's, look, we live on a planet, even if we were living 1,000 years ago, there were toxins flying around, whether it be from volcanoes or other things. You've just got to limit the amount of toxins that you're exposing yourself and your children to. And it's you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have a phone. It doesn't mean that you can't not watch TV. It's just about knowing how much of it you can expose yourself to and how to reduce that exposure. you just got to give people practical information and knowledge around that, and then they've got a decision to make as to whether that's going to become a part of their life if if that's what they really value. So it's again it's not gonna solve all the problems, but it's gonna give people the the choice that they know what's creating them. Now, and that's at the moment that's not the model we're using medically. At the model people are presenting with a group of symptoms and what what you know the medical fraternity you're doing now is actually addressing those symptoms through pharmaceuticals and i'm not opponent to pharmaceuticals i had to learn the hard way i you know i had an autoimmune disease and if i didn't have farmers pharma- had an autoimmune disease just for all those people listening out there doctors included that i no longer have um because i was lucky enough to meet anthony minichella and i changed the way i ate what and was I no- the
0: autoimmune disease maddie
1: I was a really rare form of uh, rheumatism um, that was normally basically mature women got. So I, I don't know whether I was a mature woman in my last past life, but <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't nice. Basically, my body just attacked itself. I was in a lot of pain for a long time. And without the pharmaceuticals, I wouldn't have had the space to address the cause. So I'm, I really believe there's a lot of good intent behind pharmaceuticals. There's some poor execution and how that intent's used. But, yeah, um, but what we need to start looking at is, is the causes of where all these diseases are coming from, not just dealing with the symptoms of the diseases.
0: Can you just explain just a little bit more around that rheumatism and how you overcame that autoimmune disease? You said you met Anthony Minicello, and, and, but you were grateful for the pharmaceuticals. What was that journey kind of like?
1: Well, you know, man, I... I I went away to Hawaii, caught up with a mate, had a bit of a good time, and I came back and I thought, goodness, I probably overindulged, you know, for about 10 days, and I, I felt like maybe I had some sort of, I don't know, maybe not alcoholic poisoning, I just didn't, hadn't drank enough, but I probably hadn't treated myself the right way, and it just got more intense. So, you know, I've got had numerous knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, but it was like every joint in my body, you know, was just being attacked during the day, so I got a whole lot of blood tests it took them six to eight weeks about eight weeks to diagnose it finally and um yeah I, I had to get my kids to put my shoes on for me in the morning um i was probably getting three to four hours sleep and all i couldn't roll over without you know the, that twitch of pain every time you moved um so yeah i, I finally got diagnosed with autoimmune disease and basically i had to take steroids and anti-inflammatories and painkillers and sleep sleeping tablets for the rest of my life Um, because when you have an autoimmune disease it's been there your whole life Uh, the doctor explained it this way there was a seed in me Uh, i watered that seed somehow when i was away and the grass had grown and what the drugs did was mow the lawn um i met anthony and anthony basically introduced me to the Western A. Price way of eating, which is very aligned to the paleo-keto type thing. Um, and again, I've, I've, you know, we've all evolved a little bit past that, even, even though they're all good, good foundations. Um, and I did that, and within eight weeks, I was off all medication. I got tested six months later and the drug had disappeared, and I test myself twice a year. I go and get blood tests just to see how it's going. I've learnt, I went to uh, Vietnam uh, last year, this time last year I was in Vietnam and I didn't want to not eat rice in Vietnam and when I started doing that again and started overindulging a little bit, my body went, well, you know, you want to mess with me, I'll, I'll certainly, I'm happy to come back and show you why not to. So it's, even though they can't see the disease in me anymore, I know that if I want to spark it up, I can.
0: The body's a phenomenal thing. So I love that analogy too. The the medications, the pharmaceuticals helped you mow that grass but not, not um, sort of completely get rid of it. So changing your way of eating. You mentioned there before about the keto and the paleo-esque way and do you kind of – but then you said you've sort of moved on from that. Is it that you don't like to be strict in your way of eating but you know what works best for you and it's in that kind of direction?
1: Yeah, again – Robert, it's just about who you learn from last for me. I, so if you ask me what was a hmm. podcast that had the most influence on me, I'd say, well, the last one I listened to, I'm <laughs> pretty, well, I listened to a guy called Dr. Pomper and he, you know, he'd said he's a, an American uh, functional medicine practitioner, a very, very smart guy and I've looked a lot of his stuff. And um, he basically summed it up really well. Look, genetically, we didn't eat the same food and we didn't eat the same way all the time. So he said, look, vegan diet's good, vegetarian diet's good, keto diet's good, paleo diet's good. None of them are good if you stick with it forever. It's a little bit like physically training the same way. Mm. You know, if you physically train the same way, your body develops resistance to it.
0: And you don't get the same adaptation.
1: Yeah. So what we need to do is, and we never, we never used to have a choice about it, you know, a long time ago, you get up in the morning and you weren't going to be eating the same fruit and veggies all year because they changed around and you had to find them. So you didn't get up and eat. You got up and started searching and you didn't go and catch the same animals all the time.
0: Mm.
1: So um, we're not meant to eat the same thing all the time. But, I, you know, I, the thing I like, I like to keep eating simple. So I always ask people how many ingredients in a steak. <laughs> so the more things that you eat with one ingredient in it, um, I think the better off you are. And obviously, then you need to know where that, where the source of that food's coming from. Of course, the industrialized food these days, pretty scary, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole other podcast in itself. Oh. <laughs> now, I'm cognizant of time and want to let you get to the uh, Boxing Day sales because I know you're itching to get there and there's a few questions that I ask all my guests on the show but before I do I believe that you're also writing a book or have written a book that'll be released at some stage give us a brief outline what's the book about
1: oh the book's been going for 10 years Robbo <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it started off with This Shit's Not That Spooky that's
0: and what that it was, was
1: called that was the original name but it. then it was called Be A Wine Spirit wine being in W-H-I-N-E mm-hmm. now it's called The Change Room so uh, yes, it's, look, all the content's done, mate. It was just too long, mm. um, and was ready to go a couple of years ago. And I read it, and I just, I didn't like it. And I, you know, and it's probably going to be the same. You're never going to, if you keep learning, you're never going to have things that are totally where you want. But I, I'm probably
0: three weeks off having it finished. Brilliant. So
1: I'm really looking forward to getting it done, to be honest
0: well that it's I'm looking forward to reading it, especially if you've narrowed it down a lot, but it's interesting you say because you'll even read it again and you might not fully like it I think Tim Ferriss, how he says he reads back over his books from all those years ago and he cringes, but he knows that they're still impactful and they still work because as you said, a few times that you we never stop learning and we never should stop learning so there's probably always going to be things that you want to put in there that might be just that little bit different
1: yeah, I know I'm at ease of that now I just the other one I'd I guess I'd gone through that enamoured period to getting to the other side of things. And I look back and it was just a little bit too enamoured.
0: Fair enough. So with these questions, Maddie, firstly, what do you believe is good action for people to take to be more impactful in their lives and in their communities?
1: Care. Just care. I wrote a quote down the other day, came out of my head somewhere, Is is that, the universe cares for everything but worries about nothing and what i mean by that is is that if you look at every molecule in the universe is supported by the other molecules even if they you know they break down and and die or change is is that everything's supported so the universe cares for everything but it doesn't worry about anything so there you go there's my very profound one of that
0: well, because I care and the listeners care, I want to ask where we can learn more about you, so social media or website, and how can I and the listeners help you on your journey?
1: Well, I think the best place to go is to the changeroom.com.au or the Zenergy Energy site. You can come and visit me there anytime. What do you need to do to help me? Care for other people. That's all. I, honestly, I don't want to sound like I'm – peace, love and happiness, but I just don't think that there's enough care being displayed, displayed across the planet and, you know, I, I, I just think that if you'd make my life better by caring for the person beside you and if they could do the same thing, what happens is that it's contagious. Now, if we could get everyone being in more of that state of mind, it'd make the communities that we live in a whole lot better and it'd make our experience a heap better.
0: Absolutely. I've done a short episode just recently on kindness and the physiological benefits and the ripple effect and the infectiousness of kindness. So the caring and kindness is super powerful. And speaking of which... One of my top core values, Maddie, is giving. And I give all my guests a gift for coming onto the show and giving their time and value. And I know this is the season of giving, but I do it all year round. And the gift that I'm giving you is when I see you in a few weeks in Sydney for another change room, I'm bringing you one of our charity teas, the, the Life teas Range. So we've got some Paralympic athletes that have chosen a charity that's close to their heart and helped them design teas And we donate 100% of the profits to their chosen charities so I'm bringing you one of those tees to wear. Oh, mate, can't, can't wait. You've obviously given away a lot of your shirts, mate. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> I need course. to get some more, you reckon? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, obviously, mate, and I really, really acknowledge your – first of all, thank you. I'm so grateful for the for the tea, mate, but I'm also grateful for your um, your generosity, mate, in giving away all your shirts as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, I'm now going to give you the opportunity before we finish off with the fast five. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners, or anything else you'd like to, or anything you'd like to ask me?
1: Um, no, I think we covered it, Rob. I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you a really quick story. Can I do that?
0: Please do. I'm not on a time limit. You're the one that's got to go shopping, mate.
1: Mate, <laughs> I, so so I. Someone asked me the other day, "What's the best quote you've ever heard?" And it took me a while because I've heard so many quotes, but the best one I've heard is, just don't worry about it. And that's obviously where the, the other quote came out of my head. And that comes from a guy who I know is Glenn Braddy, who was a, one of the first kinesiologists in Australia, had to wait two years to see the actual head of kinesiology or the top guru of kinesiology in China. And he could only ask two questions. And what he did, Robbo, was Glenn got it down to one question. And he went and asked the guru after waiting two years, he had an interpreter there, and he went and asked him, to reach my highest level of consciousness in this experience, what is it that I need to do? And through the translator, the, the answer was, just don't worry about it.
0: <laughs>
1: and if you think about it, that's pretty profound.
0: Just don't worry about it, especially when you think about it from an emotional intelligence perspective.
1: Just don't worry about. It. Have a think about how much worry's doing to our communities.
0: Well, just don't worry about thinking about these answers for too long. This is the fast five, that I, and just let these answers roll off the tongue, Matty. All right. First one. What's one habit you wish you could change?
1: Oh my goodness. God, um, oh, can I... I, I Start again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, just don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. What's one habit you wish you could change? I wish I could listen better. Oh. Ah. What makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized? Been around my daughters and my granddaughter. Beautiful. Have you ever washed a dog? what's the best piece of advice you've ever received just don't worry about it (laughs) and the final one what are you most grateful for in your life right now
1: everything just uh, where i live the people i get to share the planet with uh, and every experience i've had on the way i'm just grateful for a lot of it
0: Maddie, you're a legend. You're an aligned, wise soul that is changing people's lives. Keep shining your impactful light to the world, my man. Thanks, Robo. Really enjoyed it, bud. There it is, legends. Just don't worry about it. I trust he gained some value from this insightful chat with Maddie. As you heard, he could have opened up and dived deep into energy and higher levels of consciousness, because he has a profound understanding of it and some of the greatest mentors in the world in this space. I reckon we'll get him on for a second episode after his book finally comes out and I read it with my shirt on. (laughs) Remember to follow Maddie and the Change Room online at changeroom.com.au or jump onto, if you're on LinkedIn, you can Find Matthew Elliott on there or The Change Room has their own program on there also. Don't forget to join our private Facebook group for your chance to win a place in the Gut Health and Gut-Brain Connection online program and contact me directly to claim your place for your early bird position before it fills up. So you can reach out on social media. You can find my email on the website, yourlifeofimpact.com Or, if you've got a good memory, it's brett at lifeintentional.com.au. You heard Maddie talking about the power and importance of understanding how to treat your body from the inside out to enhance and optimize your health. This program will be a powerful tool to help with many of those things. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.